Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello and welcome everybody to episode number 100 number 130 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm your illustrious co-host and with me is your other illustrious co-host from the wilds of the north, the great white Montreal, Canada, Pete Victor Echo 2, X-Ray Papa Lima. Hey. hey, how you doing, y'all? Yeah, how are you doing, Pete? Been a while. Awesome, actually. After a uh, small bout of uh, being sickly, uh, I'm feeling much better now. Well, it, it's funny that you should mention sickly, and I'm getting actually kind of tired of telling this story. Last weekend, for, for those who don't know, and I can't imagine anyone who listens to the show doesn't know, was Hamvention in Dayton, Ohio. It was. It yes, was. Then. Mecca for ham radio operators. And we'll get to more about Hamvention in a minute. But as it happens, we went to Hamvention because our faithful listeners donated to our Indiegogo campaign some months ago and sent us enough money so that we could go there and represent Linux in the Yay. Ham Shack, uh, which we did. But on Saturday evening, we decided to celebrate our triumph at Hamvention. Our, our wonderful experience at our fifth hamvention. So what did we do? We went out to, we found, we found this little hole in the wall, uh, Korean slash Japanese sushi restaurant. Those are always the best. Yes. That's what we thought too. It's like, we, we've never been to a place like this before and we're just going to like pick a place on the map and we're going to go there. When we arrived, it was dinner time. On Saturday, it was like 6.30 p.m., Saturday evening, prime dinner time uh, for any restaurant in any metropolitan area. The place was completely empty. We were the only people in it, which was a little alarming. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But we were there to meet uh, Scott Pettigrew, one of our benefactors, N8 VSI. And his daughter, which we did. And the four of us ate in the restaurant entirely alone, except for the one waitress and the owner. And, and all was going well. All was going very well, actually. We, we ordered sushi. We ordered um, N8VSI. He ordered a bulgogi, which is a uh, Korean speciality. And uh, his daughter, uh, 12-year-old daughter, who had just gotten her ham ticket. Congratulations. Excellent. Yeah, good on you. Uh, picked up some chicken teriyaki, and we all ate, and we all had a great time. When we left there, we had decided that we really didn't get enough to eat out of the Korean restaurant because the rolls, uh, the sushi rolls that they rolled, were minuscule. And I don't want to go into the whole, you know, sushi thing because if if you're a sushi thing, you know what good sushi is, and you know what bad sushi is, in anyway. But um, yeah. the sushi was okay; it tasted fine, uh, but it was tiny. So on the way back to the hotel, we decided that we hadn't quite had enough to eat, and we had never been to a big boy restaurant. We don't have them in our area, so we thought we would try them. So we went to a big boy, and we had we each had a burger. 
And I'm talking about Cheryl and I, by the way, because uh, we were there together. So we each had a burger to finish off our evening, and then we went to bed. Cheryl woke up at 2 o'clock a.m., uh, a mere four hours later, and spent the next eight hours or ten, let's just say, giving back everything she ate. <laughs> so was this the influence of the big boy or of the sushi place? Well, that is the interesting part of this story, because if you take the two situations at face value, the first thing you think is, well, we got crappy sushi at a place that no one eats at on a, you know, a dinner time on a Saturday, or we go to a big name burger joint. So that which, doesn't mean anything. Though. Right. So which, so which is the culprit? Well, the first thing that jumps to mind is it's the sushi. It's got to be the sushi, right? We're eating a bunch of raw fish prepared by somebody we have no idea who they are, you know, in a little dive place in the outskirts of Dayton, Ohio. So surely it's got to be the sushi. Plus, there's time in there because four hours to get uh, food um, intolerance is quick. So we just assume it's the sushi. It's got to be, right? She she gets sick. I managed to get to Dayton for the last day. I make it about two and a half hours, managed to get the booth packed up, and then I'm horribly sick. And we have to drive home the ten and a half hours of driving home, basically just horribly, horribly ill from food poisoning. Clearly food poisoning because we're both sick. We both ate at the same places, and we both only ate at those places. We get home thinking, man, we got some bad sushi. I'm never eating sushi again. Only to turn on the 6 o'clock news to find out that a meat processing plant (laughs) (laughs) has sent E. coli-infected bacteria, uh, E. coli bacteria-ridden ground beef, to several restaurants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. Including... Big boy. Well, they didn't say. They didn't say what restaurants, but it seems strangely coincidental. Did you contact Scott, who ate at the same place as you guys? We did, and he and his daughter did not get sick. Thank God. Yes. Or whoever you believe in. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it seems very clear to me that despite our assumption that it had to be the sushi restaurant, it was not. It was just the ground beef at the big boy getting the tainted E. coli beef. And we suffered duly because of it. Yeah, what a drag. So uh, here it is about 36 hours later. All is well. My stomach is good. Uh, Cheryl has recovered. We have moved on from our experience in Dayton. So fear not the hole in the wall sushi restaurant. Uh, even serving Midwest sushi. I saw, I saw something in the uh, in the chat room about mm, Ohio sushi. <laughs> uh, yes, which doesn't bode well, but apparently it's okay. So that is my story, and I think that's the last time I'm going to tell it, uh, because we've told it to everybody. Oh, that's good. Now, after wasting, I don't know how many minutes of your precious time, it's time to introduce our special guest. We have finally gotten around to starting our interviews with the three folks who are kind enough to send us incredibly generous donations for our Indiegogo campaign. Uh, the three highest donators uh, sent us much money, and in compensation for such... Uh, They were rewarded with many gifts, which I don't think they've actually received yet, but they will be soon. And one of those gifts was to be interviewed on the show. And uh, one of the three interviewees is on the show with us tonight, and he is Doug Jones from out in California. His call sign is November 6, Lima, Mike X-Ray. Excellent. And he is here with us tonight and hopefully not muted. So good evening, Doug. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Russ. As soon as you said not muted, I, of course, unmuted. 
<laughs> I'm glad I could be of assistance. We, yeah, we, we so I had I had the uh, mouse button over it, so we wouldn't want you to have the troubles that Pete has because you know he's only been doing Regularly. this for yeah many many episodes now, and we can't get him to figure out what the hell he's doing here yet. Welcome to the show. We we don't really have any plan for what we are going to do with you, other than if you have anything you would like to say, we're going to let you say it. If you would like to jump in at any point and say anything, you are welcome to do so. Um, we'll probably ask you questions here and there and bounce things off you and find out a little bit more about you and why you bothered to send us money, because that's a really idiotic thing to do. Other than that, no plans whatsoever. I didn't realize you were in California, Doug. You're actually in the past. Can, can we say can we say where you are in California? I mean, it's not like people can't look it up, but... Well, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes. Oh, nice. I'm a cousin who lives there. Yeah, a little, little town <laughs> by, by Bay Area standards called Livermore. Yes, Livermore, uh, down uh, Copperview Road to the right, past the Sitco station in the Red House, and none of that is correct. I can tell you one thing, that if at any point this... Uh, show appears to be going south just pull out that banjo and everything will be right again yeah <laughs> sounds good to me sounds good to Excellent. me it's too bad the uh, audience can't see my live feed because if i move my head this way you could see my library making me look very intellectual and if i yes, move my head this way you could see my ironing board that's the family library so there's a little bit of everything in there most of them are english but there's a few french volumes in there all right, so I'm going to talk briefly about Linux and the Hamshack at Hamvention. We have talked about this each time we have gone to Hamvention in the past, and this year was really no exception. Although one thing I will say about Hamvention as an experience, while it doesn't seem to change, the the participation of people in general seems to be slowly waning. That's what, that was my first question to you, like... Was there more people or less? And because year after year, I keep hearing that less people are going. Yes, and it's um, it's purely you know uh, subjective data that I use to to gauge the attendance of the show. But it it seems like there are less people going each year. However, I will say that participation and visitation of our booth seems to be at least steady or increasing every year, which is very good. I mean, with the um, economy and the toilet the way it is, I can understand how people might not be able to afford to go to Hamvention or they might go every other year or whatever. Uh, but, you know, aside from all the – there's less and less hams in the community and you put all that together. It, it kind of makes sense in a way, but it's, it's just – it's too bad. It is too bad because we were talking with one of the, the regulars at Hamvention towards the end of our stay there. And he mentioned, you know, several years back when Hamvention used to be open until 4 p.m. on Sunday, and the place was as busy then as it was at 9 a.m. on Friday. Apparently, that time for Hamvention was not that long ago. Interest or the economy, I don't think it's interest, but I think the economy and other factors have just caused it to be less attended uh, currently than it was in the past. That doesn't mean it can't experience a resurgence, but the general trend is downward. That doesn't mean that for us as a participant, as an exhibitor in the inside booths at Hamvention, that our experience is any less because it's not. It actually gets better for us every year because I think due to our presence there, we actually get more interest and that is has a cumulative effect. 
which which is very nice. And I have I to say, a lot of uh, good comments on Twitter over the. I was kind of following you via Twitter, and and there was a lot of activity there, which is cool. Yeah, not as much as we had liked because honestly, by the time we got into uh, the mid afternoon on Friday, and then pretty much all of Saturday, the booth was just completely slammed. It was nonstop people coming in and out, so we didn't have time to do anything. Uh, but deal with the folks who were visiting, and that should yes, we we wouldn't want it any other way. So that's why you have to pay for me to go next year. Um, yeah, that way I could tweet. If we get enough donations, then you're <laughs> certainly welcome to come next year. But honestly, you know, we we only I had so, a certain budget. But Hutch I, in the uh, text text box says that uh, you guys had a good booth, and uh, he also says there's less people this year. It was his impression, and uh, less upkeep on the buildings as well. So maybe that has something to do with it too. The hair arena. I I want to spend a lot of time on the hair arena, but it is. The reason I think that Hamvention is there is just because of its overall size. Because Hamvention, as far as the vendors and the flea marketers, is gigantic. And there are not many facilities that can actually accommodate a convention of its size. Most of those are actually in places like California, like in Los Angeles. They have some mammoth uh, convention centers. But if you want someplace that's centrally located, they really just don't exist. It's because some big conventions change location year after year, or they have like three or four that they rotate through, you know, so you could go like kind of north, south, east, and west kind of thing to give everyone uh, all across North America a chance to go. So have it one year in New York, for example, one year in Las Vegas or Los Angeles, one year somewhere in Florida or Texas, you know what I mean? Like, I, I wonder, that would probably be hellish in terms of organization, but I wonder if it would boost interest and, and give a lot of people a chance to go who don't necessarily get to go. I, I kind of gather that part of the reason why that doesn't happen is that the organization of Hamvention is a nonprofit effort, and a lot of the ones that jump around tend to be enterprise efforts, um, where there's actually, there's actually... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, people getting paid to maintain where these events happen and, you know, who shows up for what and, and, and all of that. And uh, since it's sort of a more grassroots level campaign to keep this thing running, that they don't tend to want to move around or expend too much effort. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with the Dayton Hamvention, because uh, the arena supports all of the people... It supports all of the vendors, but the building is old. It's, you know, it's getting run down. It's it's not exactly, you know, uh, a vacation destination, shall we say, but that's where it is. So you got to well, deal with... Old and run down ham radio operators should be used to. But most of our <laughs> shocks are like... <laughs> well, I mean, there have been issues in the past with rainwater coming through the roof and toilets exploding, like quite yeah, yeah. classics and, and stuff like that, so... Uh, it is what it is, but Hamvention itself is still an experience, and if you have not been, you have to put it on your bucket list as a ham radio operator. Uh, there's no question about that. It's still, as far as I know, the largest ham radio convention anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, you have to do it, and it's pretty much the only thing we do as Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, we enjoy it every time, and let me just say now that uh, the fact that our listeners were able to Send us to Hamvention, you know, pretty much all expenses paid uh, so that we could be there to represent the Linux in the ham radio community was just amazing. And it didn't really stop with the Indiegogo campaign because through the the distributions that we were handing out at the booth and, I don't know, general information and the support we were giving to folks who came by and talked to us, 
Um, we did incredibly well, both emotionally, I guess you would say, uh, connecting with folks in the community and sort of bringing in people into the, the Linux and the ham shack philosophy, uh, both of the podcasts and sort of just using software, uh, for ham radio use and financially. I mean, the, the giving didn't really just stop. And of course, most of the people who stopped by the booth weren't already listeners. So they weren't people who like contributed beforehand. They contributed during. It just made for an in- incredibly rich experience. We really can't thank anyone or everyone enough who, who showed up at the booth. I mean, it was a pleasure to meet every single one of you, whether you listen to this or not. Um, I wish we could thank everybody personally. I mean, we did at the show, whether they come back and listen to us later on or not, we'll never know, uh, unless they decide to tell us, which, you know, that could happen. Incredibly rewarding for both Cheryl and I, we had a great time as always. And I can't imagine, you know, assuming things go as they did this year, that we won't be back in Dayton again next year. So that's good. Well, that's a new speech from last year where you're like, Never going back to that godforsaken place again. Well, I have to say that on the way back from <laughs> Dayton this year, I was lamenting the the thing about the speeding ticket from last year and the fact that I got food poisoning from this year. And I was like, curse you, Dayton, twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it looks like we'll we'll wind up going back again. I, I don't see why we wouldn't. It's a fantastic experience, and we wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, well, I would trade it for the E. coli. We could do without that. But next time, you know, yeah. we'll see. I was um, wondering if Doug's ever been to a hamvention. I I have not, so. No, I haven't either. It's been cost prohibitive for me even to try to get to the Midwest. Well, it's far for you. I mean, it's far for me, but it's even further for you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've got family in uh, northwestern Indiana, and I thought, well, you know, I could drop the family off there and then drive to Dayton. And then my wife reminded me that's still while my kids are in school, so that doesn't really work as a vacation time. Yeah, no, I understand that. Absolutely. That's one thing when you become a parent, your vacation suddenly happens when your kids are out of school, strangely. Yeah, that it does. Uh, that's when I, I'm able to get vacation during summer, which hasn't happened for a few years. All right. Well, there's two of us who need to get there before we die. That's right. Soon. It, it is requisite. Both of you must attend. I suggest next year. 2015 is a good year. It is a good year. So uh, we're going to talk more with Doug later on, but we should probably get through these first couple of stories uh, so we can actually get to that. Because, uh, like I said, good cash money. He paid it our way, and we want to make sure he gets his due time. Well, that's why I'm asking him questions. That's right, and you're still eating, you bastard. Yeah. You're still you're eating. Lying. Huh? <laughs> you can't prove it. Yes, I can. Nope. I'll play it back for the judge, I guarantee yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife just brought in some fresh homemade bread I couldn't resist. Oh, I could use some fresh homemade bread right now. Right there. Look at it in the camera. Doesn't it look good? I don't have a camera. I have one. You're just not looking at it. I'm video streaming. There's just nobody could see me. Well, just for Doug, I'll leave it on then so he could see me eat my fresh homemade bread. I'm sure that's exciting for him, yes. (laughs) So while we were at Hamvention, we heard from several people, uh, Joel McLaughlin, W3RAZ, and several others besides, that uh, the Northwest Digital Radio booth at Hamvention was offering what they call the DV3000 Ambi card, which is a door, uh, which is a door. Okay. Let me have another drink. Hang on a second. I was reading that. Um, and that's very exciting. I mean, that, that's a really cool little widget. Yes. And now I will speak coherently about it. Uh, the DV3000 Ambi card is a daughter board for the Raspberry Pi. 
Uh, and this is what Brian Hoyer, November 7 Uniform Delta Romeo of Northwest Digital Radio, has to say about the DV3000 AmbiCard. The UDR supports an optional AMBI vocoder card for D-Star Digital Voice or DV. During the last prototype layout of the UDR, it occurred to me that there are over 2 million Raspberry Pis. So if we use the same connector as the Pi, it would have the following advantages. Pi users would have access to AMBI. Software development would be in parallel with UDR development. And other cards made for the Pi could potentially be used on the UDR. Jonathan Naylor, Golf 4 Kilo Lima X-Ray, has adapted his dummy repeater to work with the DV3000 on the Pi. This lets hams talk over the D-Star network using their computer instead of a radio. He also built several WAV slash AMBI conversion utilities. That would be WAVE, actually. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> WAVE slash AMBI conversion utilities for testing and comparison of different vocoders. Jonathan joined us at Hamvention for the release of the DB3000, where we sold 30 units. The AMBI3000 chip supports vocoding for D-Star, now supported by Golf 4 Kilo Lima X-Ray, DMR and DPMR, Yezu Fusion, and P25 Phase 2. You can check out the DV3000DS or go to products page to buy online. That's at Northwest Digital, it's uh, nwdigitalradio.com. And there's a Hamvention special where you can get this daughter board for 89 bucks, uh, which will be honored for one month after Hamvention or until the first run of 100 units is gone. And that's cheap to get onto D-Start. It's even cheaper than a dongle. Yeah, and what's I mean, very you have to have the Pi, but right, and but and the Pi, of course, is only about thirty bucks. And what's really cool about right. this is you don't need any of the other audio hardware, any of the other computing hardware, because once you sandwich this board onto the Pi, everything is completely integrated. So it's an entire D Star solution for essentially a hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so if you you know if you hear this, you should definitely jump in on this deal. It's pretty amazing, and it's a very cool thing that Northwest Digital Radio is doing. And I would like to point out that if Northwest Digital Radio would like to send us one of these units for testing, we would be more than happy to check it out for you and give you a review. Did you uh, did you happen to mention how much the price would jump up by um, after the first hundred are gone, or after a month? Like, is it going? To 89 99 109 like what's the uh is, how much of a deal is that do we know i have i do not know and i have not heard what the price will become after because i kind of understand i kind of get that since this the production run is over that they're going to have to reproduce them so i don't know what like the regular retail is going to be on these units well hopefully it's really popular and they get more made and the more that you have manufactured then theoretically the price might come down in which case you know, that'd be even better. Get more people on the D-Star for cheap. Yeah, absolutely. And I've never actually tried D-Star ever. So I would love to get a hold of one of these things and try it out. I've seen people play with it and I've listened. I've never played with it myself either. So yeah, that would be very cool. And you already have a Raspberry Pi, so you have no excuse. That's right. And I would have bought one of these things, except I didn't have time and I didn't have 89 bucks. So again, oh, there you go. Uh, well, looking at their product page. Go ahead. I was looking at the products page. It says ninety nine ninety five with sale next to it. So I don't know if that's going to be what their price is, but uh, that's what I'm seeing. Even that is uh, reasonable. Yep. 
and I, again, I don't know if that's what the ultimate price will be or if they even knock just $10 more off because of Hamvention and it's going to go up even higher than that. We don't really know. But if you want to get one of these things at the $89 sale price, you should definitely jump on that. NWDigitalRadio.com. That's the place you want to go. I just got an email through the mailing list from Ted, Whiskey Alpha Zero, Echo India Romeo, our most famous Ted Williams, who writes all of the TW software packages, TWBSK, TWPSK, TW Log, TW Ham, QTH, Clock, TWCW, and PSK31LX. All of which are awesome, by the way. Yes, they are. Um, very easy to use, very simple, uh, simplistic interfaces, and very functional programs. Uh, he sent a message out to all of our listeners, and I'm going to echo it here, that says, Hi, there is a new website for TWPSK, TWLog, etc., etc., etc. The URL is wa0eir.bcts.info. That's Whiskey Alpha Zero, Echo, India, Romeo, dot, Bravo, Charlie, Tango, Sierra, dot, info. All of the programs have minor fixes, as well as having the contact information updated. Enjoy! 7-3, Ted, Whiskey Alpha Zero, Echo, India, Romeo. I would also yeah, like I'm to on. point out, uh, before Pete says anything else, <laughs> <laughs> that bcts.info is Blue Cow's Technical Services, which is me. I am oh. now hosting Ted Williams Software. Yes, that is awesome. Excellent. Good for so. you. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, I was going to say, if you go to the webpage, uh, it looks the same as his uh, old webpage. Everything is uh, it's easily easily navigatable, easy to navigate. Everything's right there on the homepage. Uh, he's got links to everything uh, just to download right there. You uh, screenshots, you could try it out. I've, I've played with a bunch of these. Uh, like Russ said, they're very easy to use and they're very functional. And right there at the bottom of the page is uh, the uh, LHS uh, logo there to uh, uh, and a link to our webpage as well. So very cool. Yes, very cool. I, I uh, offered to host uh, uh, Ted's pages because he wanted to get off of Mediacom. And I said, well, you know what? If you want to get off of Mediacom, I will gladly host your apps because they are great. And you are a great benefactor of the show. And so... The meeting of the minds happened. We came together, and now I host all of Ted's software. So everyone should go out and download it because it's good stuff. I'm just uh, I'm I'm the forty seven thousandth four hundred and seventy fifth visitor. So it's quite popular software. It's, by the way, it is. I actually like the one of the simpler app applications, TW Clock. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's so nice to have a tiny little window with um, a UTC clock just to, to be able to look at is one of my favorites of those. And of course, PSK 31 LX, if you don't need something as like really robust as FL Digi, it's a great PSK 31 app. And we have one more story before we hit our first musical break. And that is because one of the open source moguls who also happens to be a ham radio operator decided as he does every year to wander by the Linux in the ham shack booth and tell us, all of the cool stuff that's coming up in Codec 2 and FreeDV development. And that man is Bruce Perrins, Kilo 6, Bravo Papa. I really don't, because everything was so hellishly hectic during the show, I don't really remember what he told me was actually going on with uh, the FreeDV project. The only thing I can actually remember is that he said, with the new version of Codec 2 that's supposed to be coming out in the next two to three months and the associated FreeDV project, he said they were 
changing the codec so that it could actually use variable rate encoding on the fly so that it will actually minimize bit rate transmissions during the transmission by being able to send less data during non-changeable or silent periods in the data in the encoding as opposed to the standard 1.6 kilobits per second that it does now. So it's going to become even more compact to send digital voice. Pretty amazing. And he said that will be available in the next two to three months. And I'm sure there's more to it than that, but I honestly don't remember. And I apologize for that. But one of these days, I really hope to get Bruce on the show because he is one of the moguls of the open source movement. It came to that I should probably mention who Bruce is because I was talking. Because what? Is he Batman? He's not Batman, but he's damn close. (laughs) Excellent. Um, I was talking to a couple of people at Hamvention, and I said, oh, do you know who that was? Because when he came up and said hi and told me what was going on with FreeDV and then wandered off, I was like, you know, (laughs) I had to, like, catch my breath again and then say, that was Bruce Perrins. He comes by and talks to me every year. And the guy who was standing in front of me, whoever it was, said, who's Bruce Perrins? (laughs) I was like... Well, he's one of those guys where if you don't know who he is, then you don't know who he is. But if you do know who he is, then you must be in awe of him. So I figured I would take this first couple of paragraphs from his Wikipedia article to let people know who Bruce Perrins is, in case you don't. It says, Bruce Perrins, born 1958, is an American computer programmer and advocate in the open source community. He created the open source definition and published the first formal announcement and manifesto of open source. He co-founded the Open Source Initiative with Eric Raymond. In 2005, Perrins represented open source at the United Nations World Summit on the Information Society at the invitation of the United States Development Program. He has appeared before national legislatures and is often quoted in the press advocating for open source and the reform of national and international technology policy. Perrins is also an amateur radio operator, call sign K6BP. He is well-known in the amateur radio community for his efforts towards open radio communication standards. If there are pillars that hold up the open source movement, he is one of those pillars. So if you don't know who he is, and you don't know that he freely wanders around Hamvention, just like any of the other 20,000 attendees, you should probably know a little bit about him and say hi whenever he shows up. So uh, all of that is to say you should check out Codec 2 and the FreeDV project at freedv.org and maybe send a hello to Bruce Perrins, K6BP, and say hi if he happens to wander by sometime. Or a donation. You can give him donations at his webpage, too, to support his efforts. That's right. Dave and uh, Bruce and the other guys who are developing Codec 2 and the FreeDV application and standard, uh, they can use all the help they can get. And, you know, they've been around forever. So support them. We do. Doug, anything to say? Do you know who Bruce Perrins is? I do now. Um, of course, I recognize the other name more, uh, Eric Raymond. But uh, um, it's like I should know who Bruce Perrins is. He maintains a fairly low profile. So it's not. It's really not too difficult to understand that people don't necessarily know who he is. But he, I mean, he's really high up in the in the sort of echelon of open source developers. Just a tiny little bit giddy when he walks by the booth and says hello. So <laughs> I can just see a <laughs> <laughs> I try not to giggle too much. <laughs> Very good. That's awesome though. Good for good on you for uh for plugging him a little bit. I don't think he would do it himself, but I think he deserves it without question. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so with that, I think we're ready to move on to our first quick break, and we have new music from 20 Pound Sounds. Is it really new? Awesome. It, yes, it is new from 20 Pound Sounds. They put out an EP a, a while back. This is uh, Dan from SixGun.org. Linux Outlaws. Yes, the Linux Dan Outlaws. Lynch. Dan Lynch. Uh, his band has, I guess, completed their album. They have now have a full-length LP, and they put out more songs, and they're outstanding. All of this music is really, really good, including the three or four or whatever song, tracks they put out on the original EP. The rest of them are great. So we're going to feature 20 Pound Sounds tonight. The first track is uh, one called Makes No Sense. Um, they call their album, it's an eponymous album, so it's called 20 Pound Sounds, and they're releasing it via Bandcamp.com. Uh, you can find it at 20lb20lb.bandcamp.com. This track is called Make No Sense, and we'll be back in about two minutes to talk with Doug Jones and 6LMX. Catch you then. I must admit that I'm a fan of 20 Pound Sound, and uh, I did discover them uh, through Linux Outlaws because uh, Dan is not ashamed of uh, plugging his band, nor should he be, and they're quite talented. So, uh, yeah, that was very cool. And he plays guitar and the vocals, so you're actually listening to Dan sing in in that. Which is weird because if you listen to him sing and then you listen to Linux Outlaws, you you would never never know because he's got such a deeper voice as an announcer, and he's got a little bit of a higher pitched voice as a as a as a singer, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is, but I I'm really enjoying. I have to say, pretty much every single track uh, on the album Twenty Pound Sounds. So we got one more coming up a little later on, but between now and then, we're going to learn a little bit more about Doug Jones N Six LMX. Uh, welcome back to segment two, Doug. <laughs> well, thank you so much. 
Okay, so the first question I want to ask you, well, I've got two questions for you. So the first one is, who the hell are you, and um, what is your interest in Linux in the ham shack? Okay, who the hell am I? Boy, that's, uh, that's kind of an open-ended question there, Russ. Well, that's good, um, because um, that means you can answer it any way you so choose. California native. Uh, I've been a ham radio operator since 2002. Uh, 9-11 kind of inspired me to finally get my ham radio license. Uh, was trying to do it in high school, and CW scared me so much that it kept me from even trying to get it. So I was a no-code tech in uh, 2002, and then decided to go ahead and learn the code so I could become a general, then an extra in 2003. So I've been ham radio operator now for, what I guess is now 12 years. I'm not sure what else I could say. Linux in the Ham Shack was one of the first um, podcasts I discovered after I got my first eye product. Your first eye product, like what mascara? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, that it was it was a it was a fruity sort of thing. And uh, Linux in the Ham, I actually found it on um, iTunes. Is where I found oh, Linux in the Ham Shack, and it's like, oh, I'm a ham radio operator. I've dabbled with Linux on and off since about ninety four, ninety five. Why not? Why not give it a listen? And I've now been around for God knows how many episodes. I wasn't there from the first, but uh, been around probably for close to 100 episodes at this point. We're sorry. (laughs) I love how we had two completely different reactions to that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Oh, nice. We're sorry. Uh, So, okay. My my last, well, not my last question, but my next question or the one that follows from the two that you just answered is, having been a listener for something along the lines of 100 episodes, what made you think that you should donate to our cause? Um, you've been trying to get to ham venture for the last five years, and actually I have donated the last five years to that. And uh, part of it was actually to get my call sign up on the wall behind you <laughs> at, at the hamvention. When I, when I thought about it this year, I thought to myself, well, why the heck not? Um, it'd be probably about the only way I would get it on the show because I'm not not an expert in anything that you would actually interview me for. So I thought, well, why not try it? We're not experts either. You'd be surprised. You should have just asked. I was just going to say that, but that kind of ruins the mystique. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming there is some kind of mystique. And we're we're very appreciative of your support, by the way. Yes, we're appreciative of everybody's support. But there were there were three folks, and you know, I I hate to single people out. I, this is probably the wrong way to go about this, but but that's what that's how we roll, I guess. Um, but three folks, Doug included, just really went sort of above and beyond as far as you know, helping us achieve our goal of going to Hamvention. And so I, I tried to think of like what the best kind of you know, reward we could give to somebody who was who was willing to fund us so generously other than like, you know, showering them with gifts or something you can't talk about in polite company. Um yeah, this, showering them with gifts that we buy with the money they gave us. <laughs> right. This this was pretty much it. And since not everyone gets a chance to actually speak their brains on the show or even come on the show to say anything, it was the best thing I could think of. I kind of am curious if the fact of the interview was a factor in, you know, prompting the donation that you made. Was it, was it worth it? Or, I mean, did it seem worth it to you to, to donate at that level to, to be on the show? Yes, it did. Uh, I probably, I would have donated some amount anyway, uh, just like I have for the past uh, other, you know, the other four years. 
so I would have probably continued to do that. But yeah, the the thought of actually being interviewed by you and Pete um, did kind of prompt me to do that. All right, well, that's cool. Then my, my thought process actually came to some sort of fruition, which it usually doesn't. That being said, part part of the, the sort of the idea behind you coming on the show was that you could say or do or perform or promote or whatever it is that you wanted to do. Now, I, I don't think we probably gave you necessarily enough prep time to do anything like that, but is there something you want to do, say, perform or promote while you're on the show? Not really. It was uh, I, I'd been thinking about that ever since uh, I did the donation. It's like, okay, what do I have that I could promote? And there really was nothing there. And I've been going over in my head several times, like, okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to say when the interview finally happens? And I drew a blank almost every time. Yeah, don't worry about it. We've got plenty of questions. They're not that hard. Yeah, that's true. Although, I have to say, it was revealed earlier, before the show started, that Doug is a banjo player. We don't know to what level of competence Doug is a banjo player, but there is probably one song you know better than any other. If you would, we would love to have you perform that, whatever that is. Thinking about the ones I could perform, um, I think I'll do... Uh, an older song called uh, Red Wing. Uh, this is this is this song. Let, let me just preface a little bit. This song has a lot of meaning to me. This is the song my mom used to sing to me when she was trying to get me to eat when I was a little baby, and it's one I just remember constantly, and it's one that I er, um, I begged my uh, banjo teacher to teach me. All right, and do we get cockatoo accompaniment, or is that sort of hit and miss? Uh, it's sort of hit and miss. He'll probably start screaming the moment I start playing here. It's the background uh, company. Yeah, it's, it's the background scream. We'll see what happens here. All right, sounds good. We're looking forward to it. Now, do you take requests because we've had one? I can take requests. I don't know if it's something that I can play or not, but I'll have to hear what the request is first, unless it's something that goes DB. Okay, well, it's pretty much the generic requests. Uh, Kilo 9, Kilo Julia, November in the chat room, Hutch, has requested either Stairway or Freebird. Can you do either of those? (laughs) (laughs) Those are both guitar songs. (laughs) So, something says somebody has played them on guitar or on banjo at some point in the past. Okay, I do not know either one of those. Those would probably be more of a style of banjo I don't play. Um, you know, the most of what you hear out there is something called bluegrass or scrug style. It's that it's that all that blah, 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 blah stuff. I can't <laughs> do that. I do something that's a little simpler for my right hand called claw hammer, which means I. It, it also means I'm actually a little more melodic than what you usually hear on some of those bluegrass albums. Okay, well, when I think of banjo, I think of things that are pretty up-tempo. What's, like, the fastest thing you know? What's the name of Tater Patch? 
is, is the name of this song. Let's, let's see, let's see how fast I can play it. All right, that sounds good. Let's go. Crank it up. That's not one I've not played from memory for quite a while. Let me see. Uh, you'll fit right in here. Okay, now that's a slow song. I don't want to do that one. Let's see. Nope, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I love how you get two bars in and then say, I don't remember a thing. Uh, let, me, let, let me switch keys here. one called Mississippi Sawyer. This is also kind of an upbeat one here. Actually enjoyed that. I like that. That's a nice riff. Yeah, bravo. That's cool. Yes, very nice. Oh, by the way, says that if you want a gig in Indiana, you could play at Zydeco's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the local hip uh, banjo joint, but I guess <laughs> is that like a thing? Are there hip banjo joints? Most likely. Well, you know that Zydeco is a style of music, of course. Are you still eating? You've got to put those fourteen pounds back on. I guess. Can someone make it so I need to eat? I don't need to eat. I just do. <laughs> I don't care if I need to eat. I want to eat. Now I need to. I, I want to need to eat. I don't. I don't eat meals. I um, just kind of snack all day long. We're not here to interview me, Russ. So I know. Get my peanuts out of this. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> back to Doug. Yes, back to Doug. Go ahead, Pete. You said you have lots of questions for Doug, so let's hear one of them. I have six jotted down. I wouldn't call that lots, but um. Um, let's see, I have three ham radio and three Linux ones. So, uh, since we've been talking about the banjo and your ham experiences, just curious about your Linux experiences. How, how did you discover Linux? Um, how did you hear about it and, uh, what made you decide to jump onto the bandwagon as it was, as it were? I'm trying to remember where I heard about it. It was, um, probably from an old friend of mine, well, somebody that I don't even see or know anymore. Um, but uh, this, was, this was back, you know, in the mid-90s, and he was trying to start this company. And uh, I, I was getting um, junker machines here and there, even back then, and uh, was playing with uh, Red Hat Linux, and I think it was Red Hat 4 is the first one I actually tried. And back then, you know, the installation prob, uh, process was kind of next to impossible. And uh, it was just one of the things off and on. I was playing 
with different versions of Linux over the years whenever I'd end up with another old machine here and there. Um, and I've tried, you know, I, I was on Red Hat for a while and then I switched to Debian. I've been basically a Debian user since. Um, I remember I got an old Junker laptop a while back and talking, actually back when Richard was on the show, he suggested Crunchbang Linux and I know that old Junker laptop still has Crunchbang on it. And, yeah, I love uh, Crunchbang. Yeah. I currently got an old uh, Gateway Media Center machine. This is back, this was a Windows Windows XP Media Center machine is what it originally was. It's now got, um, oh, shoot, Linux Mint Debian Edition. Is it 14 or 15, Russ? What's, what's the latest one? Of uh, LMD, they don't, they don't number them that way. The latest okay. one is 2014.03. Okay. Um, I think I think I've got the version before that on there. Um, I had to had to completely wipe it and and redo it once because when I tried to do the apt update and all that, I completely fried the machine and uh, the the bootloader wouldn't recognize anything. And uh, I was afraid I was going to lose all of my daughter's data. She my daughter is the main user of that Linux machine and she uses it to play Minecraft and do art sorts of things within things like that on it. And uh, I was afraid I'd lost all her world, and that would have been catastrophic. That would have been bad, yes. <laughs> yes. But um, that's, the current, that's the current machine. I actually just got another um, another junker recently, I think it was another XP machine, um, that I haven't done anything with, but I'm going to probably try to put a Linux server on or something like that. I really, I kind of want to start playing with servers, and I just haven't done it yet. So do you have a favorite distribution or one that you use or that you kind of fall back on more often than others? Um, it happens to be Linux Mint at this point. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah and, Linux uh, Mint is, is one of those easy ones. I usually recommend it to people who are coming in. It's an easy transition from Windows and, you know, from from beginner to, to semi-advanced, it kind of has something for everyone. I think it's really cool. Yeah, we're using uh, Mate on it and... Unfortunately, we had the problem with the what you would call the start button. I don't even know what you call it in Linux, and uh, it disappeared on us. And I finally, I just had to kind of create one because I couldn't find any help anywhere on taking care of this problem that seems to just pop up with it. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so uh, reverting back to ham radio, then, uh, do you have a favorite? Um, how shall I put it? A favorite ham radio activity? Are you more VHF, UHF, HF, uh, digital modes? Is there something you play around with more than others? Um, it was VHF uh, before I had a falling out with everybody around here. Um, I was I was uh, mainly doing VHF on the repeaters. It was um, it's a way to keep me entertained uh, to and from work. Um, current car I've got I, all I've got in it right now is an HT, and that's because it was my my father's car. And my 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 father kept this car so nice and pristine. It's very difficult for me to mar it up by putting antennas on it or putting radios inside of it. Okay. Um, I'm kind of yeah I'm I'm a Whoops, there went the banjo. Um, I'm kind of uh, less pra- – I, I don't practice ham radio as much right now, um, although I am still a VE, and I still do help other people get their ham radio licenses by correcting tests. Well, there you go. Well, that's being active. I mean, being active in ham radio doesn't necessarily mean being on the air. 
I want to hear about this falling out. You mentioned it so casually, but I want to know all about why you pissed off everybody in your whole area. Or vice versa. Oh, no, it's vice versa. They pissed me off. Okay. Um, it, was, it was actually several things. I mean, I got first got pissed off at my um, ham radio club uh, over field day. Um, my club was full of a lot of very serious contesters, and they foolishly made me in charge of field day one year. And I got more, well, I really can't say that word, more badger from doing that. Oh, no, you can say it. Go ahead. I want to hear you say it. Well, <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got kids in the room. Oh, okay. Well, then don't say so, it. Yeah. Um, I got more badger from doing that than anything else. And it's like, I don't need this badger anymore. You know, it's, I, I just, uh, uh, you know, and as a result of that, and I just decided that um, it really wasn't for me. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because I do run into some of the club members every so often. And most of them are quite friendly towards me still. Um, <laughs> in fact, they, uh, I, yeah, this on, on kind of a side note, um, I have breakfast at, at, almost every Saturday with my father. Uh, he's a member of the uh, Experimental Aircraft Association. Uh, it was a home-built uh, airplane flyer for many years. And uh, the, the uh, club happens to meet at the same restaurant once a month, whereas I'm there every Saturday. So you know, they, they say hi. We kind of exchange pleasantries, but that's about it. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I had similar experiences with our field day. Of course, we Canadians uh, are known for being very polite, so I didn't get badgered over it. But we have the same thing, whereas half the club is like, no, it's a contest. We have to make points and nothing else matters. And I'm of the opposite. You know, if you want to do that, you do that during contests. But field day is more of a learning opportunity and and. Uh, getting ham radio out there and being in a public place and, and having people try it out. And, and I like to chat, you know, so I, I always got into it with our, with our guys who are more contesters saying, no, we have to win the contest. And I'm like, well, no, it's field day. It's, it's, it's not about the contest. It's about getting on the air. And, and I, I think that's interesting and, and probably universal as well. I'm, I'm sure that happens in a lot of places. Yeah, it does. And so every time field day comes up and somebody mentions it, you know, I, I shudder an awful lot. Now, I was actually just talking with uh, the club president. Um, he happens to also be the coordinator of our VE group. And uh, I was talking with him and he said, yeah, this year they're doing it very casual. They're actually, they're actually doing it out at the airport this year, our, our little, our local air, airport. And they're, they're kind of doing it um, more to raise awareness of the ham radio club, than anything else. So I'm, I'm, I may actually try to swing by and at least just say hello. Yeah, good. That's, I mean, that's, you know, be the bigger guy and, and uh, kind of go in and, and and check it out. I think that's interesting. Our our club isn't doing one this year because no one wanted to organize it. I organized our field day for three years in a row. And uh, this year, um, just a lot going on with, with the kids and the family. So I stepped back and nobody... Nobody wanted to pick it up, so the club just decided they weren't going to have one. But And I was a little disappointed at first, and then I thought, well, for years when I was organizing it, I was all pissed off because I, I couldn't do what I want. So I think this year I'm just going to jump in the RV and go find a mountaintop somewhere and just do field day on my own, just, just do my own little you know, casual contest thing just for fun. And I'm um, actually kind of looking forward to it. I just don't know where I'm going to go yet, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's an, a, another opportunity. So, but it, you know, a lot of the clubs are um, our club has a lot of older members, so they tend to be more social uh, and less radioactive, if I can put it that way. And uh, you know, that, that's okay. Yeah, I actually did uh, field day one year from my driveway uh, using an NVIS antenna connected to my car. Uh, furthest contact I got away from me actually was Indiana. But, uh, that that must—I think it was on 40, 40 meters NVIS. It was just happened to be a luck, lucky hop for me. Ah, very good. Uh, near vertical incident skyway for those of you who don't know. For for the Linux people who might not be ham radio operators, but um, Symbola in the chat room says our field day was a dud last year, but but at least Symbola, you had a field day, and uh, that's a good thing, and it's a good good place to start. So, um, um, yeah. What what's your uh, your favorite mode then in, in ham radio? Do you do you have a favorite mode right now, or do being active um, or not? Is there one that you kind of tend to gravitate towards, or feel like gravitating towards? Well, right now it's voice. Um, it's kind of funny because I've got I've got a packet modem. I've got a couple of PSK interfaces. Uh, I, I kind of got on. Uh, I, I uh, started looking at waterfalls a little bit with it, but not really understanding what I was looking at, which is really kind of funny since I am more of a technically oriented person. Um, I never really did anything with it. I did do APRS for a while, um, but then I got to thinking, well, why am I letting everybody know where I am uh, with my GPS? So I kind of quit doing that. Um, I had to, actually had a Tiny Track 2, and I was a beta tester. With the Tiny Track Three when it first came out. Ah, cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and, and so right now I would say my favorite favorite mode is phone. Um, but it's one of those things where I keep on thinking at some point I will have time to experiment with the digital modes. There's, I mean, it's there's so much to play with. You, you can, you know, you can spend a lifetime experimenting with ham radio if you want, as you can with Linux. Of course, that's the beauty of of both hobbies. So. Um, you got to kind of pick one and, and stick to it. I I play around with with uh, APRS quite a bit, mostly just to let my family know uh, where I am, so that way they don't really have to keep texting me, and I don't have to text them back while I'm driving. But um, yeah, it's kind of uh, it's, it's one of those things I played with, and I don't anymore. I kind of stopped doing that as well. Although there's a phone app that you can download, and every once in a while I do that, but. Uh, tell me about nine one one and and how that impacted you, in in kind of a ham radio context. Like how, why is it that nine one one made you want to become a ham? Well, it was um, it was one of the things where I was uh, kind of listening to some of the uh, coverage that was happening for it, and uh, they were talking about the emergency responders, and I think they actually mentioned the ham radio operators, and. It was one of the things where I happened to be in, in a radio shack, and uh, Gordon West's little book was available there for a technician. And I kind of looked at that and thought, you know what? It would be cool if I could help out with emergency communication. And that was part of what got me um, interested in actually going back and trying to become a ham radio operator. Um, in high school, it was more that I had a friend that was a ham radio operator. I thought, oh, that'd be cool. And then when it got to got to doing CW. Now, of course, you know, you know I'm a musician uh, or try to be a musician. Um, so you would think that the Morse code would be easier for me, but I've, I've always just had a real trouble with it. And even now, I don't use it 
very much. And when I do, I've got this whole lookup table going up in my head. So I'm not even that quick at it at this point. But um, a lot of it was becoming an emergency responder. I mean, 911 impacted uh, everyone pretty much globally uh, in in different ways. And uh, it's kind of an obvious reason to do so. But just the fact that you wanted to. A lot of people say, yeah, it would be cool to do that. Maybe I should do that. But you actually went out and did it. So um, kudos for that. And I, I think that's a good thing. And, and it is a good service. Um, and, and when... when all the chips are down, uh, like everybody says, you know, ham radio is always going to work. And a lot of my friends kind of bug me. A lot of my younger friends who are into, you know, texting and digital and this and that. And um, I answer them the same thing. Well, when uh, the chips are down, you guys aren't going to be able to use your cell phones. I'll be able to call my buddies, however. Ha ha. They just kind of scoff and laugh. But we'll just wait till the nuclear bomb goes off. We'll see who's laughing then. <laughs> Don't you mean hi hi? Isn't that how everybody laughs? On- Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Oh, ha, ha. I go, ha, ha, okay. Yeah. Is that a song? Huh? Is that a song? Hi, 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 hi. Oh, that's the, like uh, that. talking, the Talking Heads. The Talking Heads, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I actually love but, that song. That's off of the one that's um, uh, Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense. Stop making yeah, sense. Very yeah, very good. Yeah, love that one. Album, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <clears throat> what was... What was the one with burning down the house? That wasn't stop making sense. That was, or was that stop making sense? I, I that may have been on stop making sense also. I think it was. I'd have to Google that though to be. Yeah. That was like one of their bigger hits. But anyhow, that that whole yeah. album, the one that burning down the house is on, just incredible, incredible stuff. And Indeed. we have broken everything. So, would you, uh, you have any questions, uh, Russ? Carry on. It was on speaking in tongues. That was the album that was outstanding. <laughs> Tell us about speaking in tongues, Doug. <laughs> uh, oh, well, what can I say? I speak using my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. On ham radio. Actually, one more thing on the emergency uh, response. I'm still actually a member of Aries and Racies in my area. Ah, cool. Good. Yes, very much so. People should join those emergency agencies if they get a chance. They're, it will benefit us all. And they need it. I mean, there's not a... That's the one thing about, you know, we, we knock the United States a lot here in Canada. We think we're much better than you guys. That's okay. We but, knock uh, you guys a lot, too. Yeah, no, I know. I say that. <laughs> I say that jokingly, of course. But um, as a community, the United States is much more involved in ham radio and in emergency preparedness as a whole, uh, not just talking radio, but everything, than we are here in Canada because... It seems that you guys have just been through a lot more Badger. than we have. And we seem to think, eh, it's not going to happen to us, eh, whatever, you know. Um, so the whole preparedness thing doesn't really seem to hit hit home here for some reason. And I think it's great that uh, in, in, the, in the States it's so it's so active, if I can say. But it, it's really lacking here, you know. There's little pockets of things and the organizations that do exist – either can't seem to get along or just don't coordinate with each other. So you have a whole bunch of little entities doing stuff locally, but if something happens nationally, then it's just a big, giant clusterfuck. You know, nobody seems to know what the hell's going on. No one knows who's in charge. So I've always looked up to you guys uh, for that. I was, I was going to ask Doug if he had headphones on before I actually said the F word. Yes, I, I wear them. Okay, that's good. <laughs> oh, yes, I apologize. There's young children in the house. 
Yeah. See, mine are asleep by now because it's it's three hours later here, so yeah. <laughs> it's almost eleven. I know it, it's it's three hours later here. I mean, they're they're thirteen and fifteen, and I think a couple of them heard me say that before, but I I try to tone it down as much as possible. Yeah, right. no, I I agree. All right, Doug. Well, we really appreciate you, you know, sending us the donation and and coming on the show and sort of exposing your life to us here on Linux and the Ham Shack. And we would love to be able to continue this like odd infinitum, but unfortunately we can't do that. So at this point, what we need to do is let you let everyone know if there's some place where they can get in touch with you if you want them to, or you can just say, you know, screw off. I don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, or if there's anything else you want to say before we kind of move on to our next segment, because, you know, at some point we unfortunately do have to end the show. Uh, the rest of this part is up to you. Okay. Well, I mean, my email address is November 6th, Lima Mike X-ray at net. Of course, that forwards to my regular email. I'm not going to give that one out. If they want to reach me on Twitter, it's Limax7. That's Lima India Mike Alpha X-ray number seven cool right. i'm gonna add you i just uh i just reactivated twitter i uh i was on twitter as a, at uh, xpl uh which is kind of a, a derivative of my call sign xpl and then i kind of closed the account and today i reopened it because i was stuck in traffic won't get into the story but needed to get an update so um, now i'm uh, at white ninja pete <laughs> So I'm gonna. <laughs> you are long, such a faker. A story. But, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna add you. Uh, I'm gonna follow you there, Doug. White Ninja Pete. He's such a. All right. Uh, just just to warn you, Pete. There won't be a lot of uh, Linux or ham radio stuff related to it. That's okay. I don't care. Okay. I, I just like follow my friends. There's there's one question that must be asked before we do the next bit of music and move on. And uh, this came up earlier when I was talking to to Doug about his. Um, his Skype handle. And um, I won't give that out, but of course, his Twitter handle is Limax7, L I M A X7, and his call sign is N6LMX. So, what the hell is with this Limax thing? What is it and what is it about? Yeah, anybody who has known me long enough will notice that I am Limax pretty much everywhere if I can get away with it. So it actually dates back to college for me. With a name like Doug, there's a lot of things that happen to rhyme with it. Uh, and my nickname in college, as a result, was Slug. Uh, unlike when I was in elementary school, it was Bug. But now I've, I've since upgraded to Slug. And I found out after college that there is this word called limacaform, L-I-M-A-C-A-F-O-R-M, which means of or like a slug. Turns out that the Latin root of that is limax, L-I-M-A-X, or if you say it in Latin, be limax, but Limax just sounds cooler. So as a result, you know, I have been Limax ever since the days of America Online. Um, Limax 7 happens to happen more often only because sometimes they don't allow five characters and sometimes Limax has been taken for some reason. I don't know who else in the right mind besides me would even want to have that. So when I got my general license, my, uh, my tech license was actually KG6LRR. Kilo Golf 6, Lima, Romeo, Romeo. So when I got my general license, I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get myself a uh, vanity call. So that's where N6LMX came up. Uh, W6LMX was also available, but I like the N better. Cool. In French, um, a slug is a, une limace, which is close to Limax. 
Yeah, that's amazing how that works. And I'm really glad that's the last question we asked because it was probably the most interesting. All right. Well, thank you very much. following you, Doug. Yes, I'm already following him because we actually have many Twitter conversations. Yeah, about this, that, and the other thing. Yes, including coming on the show, which we really appreciate. Thank you so much for your donation to our Indiegogo campaign and for sending us to Hamvention. Much appreciated. We're so glad to have you on the show and to learn a little more about uh, Doug Limax7 over on Twitter. Uh, and of course, N6LMX at net. if you want to email him for whatever reason. So uh, thanks, Doug. We really appreciate it. And uh, unless you have anything else to add, I think we'll hit the last piece of music. And of course, you're welcome to hang around and contribute to the last segment of the show uh, and, you know, do whatever else. This is sort of, it's on your dime, so you can do whatever you like. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to be able to come on. Um And, yeah, I will hang around for a bit longer. All right. Sounds good. So with that, we're going to move into our last musical break. This, again, is from 20 Pound Sounds, Dan Lynch, on guitar and vocals uh, from over there in the U.K. and uh, from sixgun.org. This song is called Late in the Game by 20 Pound Sounds from the album 20 Pound Sounds, courtesy of bandcamp.com. 20lb.bandcamp.com. This song I didn't find was probably the best song on the album, but it probably has the best guitar hook of all of them. So I had to include it here. Late in the Game by 20 Pound Sounds. We'll be back in uh, two and a half to wrap this thing up.
actually here for the end of this one. Yay! Yay! So that was late in the game by 20 pound sounds. And I, I really love the guitar hook in that one. So couldn't pass it up. Yeah. Good choice. Good tune. And they have, they have pretty rocking stuff. One thing that I thought was interesting about the way they recorded that album is it was all recorded live. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. I love, um, Jimmy Carter. That's an, that's an older one for them. I've heard it before, but it's just that one's got a really good riff to it and it's kind of rocking and that's a good song. Yeah. Jimmy Carter and El Bubblino both. Uh, excellent songs by 20 pound sounds but all of the new stuff very good as well yeah. so check them out guys for sure check them out 20lb.bandcamp.com send them a couple of bucks or a couple of pounds as it was since they're in the uk they they really deserve it good musicians and of course uh they they do linux outlaws too with uh, Fabian Fab Scherchel, who, by the way is um either also a ham radio operator or soon will be so, really? Yes. I did not know that. Yes, he ordained to become one, and I, I don't remember if he's actually accomplished um, becoming one yet or not, but he will be soon if he is not already. Cool. Yes, very cool. So we have our usual stuff for the end of the show, announcements, feedback, social media roundup, and all of that good happy crap. So we should probably do it, huh? Shiny happy crap. Shiny, Shiny happy, happy crap. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, we've got two voicemails, both of which are from Rich, KD0RG. Yeah. So we should probably play those. What do you think? I think you should. Go for it. I think we should, they're, too. They're, they're always very entertaining, so I would yell at you if you didn't. <laughs> uh, yes, as well you should. So we should probably go ahead and play these. Uh, so I, that means I have a link to click on, so I should probably do that. What do you think? Go for it. All right, here we go. First, from Rich, KD0RG. I didn't hear no tone. Did I hear a tone and I missed it? Anyway, I was listening to the International Radio Report, Trucker Rich here, and it mentioned there that uh, Pierre Landry, they, they said laundry, <laughs> I think, but anyway, uh, was getting uh, a contract, wasn't being renewed at the radio station or whatever, some production thing he was doing, and I'm wondering if it's the same Pierre Landry we know and love there, uh, a.k.a. V-E-2-X-P-L. Well, anyway, I think his contract was running out in June there, so hopefully hopefully, uh, it's not the same Pierre that we know and love, but if it is, well, then I'll be thinking about him and maybe he'd get a job at Pizza Hut or something if they got that up there. Oh, Pizza okay, Hut would be awesome. Seven, three. Okay, you, you get a job there at the Pizza Hut? No, I eat there a lot, though. I, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell he's talking about either, but there you go. Maybe it's because I missed the one episode and he thought that I'd quit or something or was fired. But no, Rich, um, I'm, I'm still here. I'm not planning on going anywhere. Uh, I did miss an episode or two uh, because I was sickly, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. But uh, planning on sticking around if Russell uh, keep answering my uh, calls. Which I plan on doing, unless you do something particularly egregious. But may yeah, maybe the next know. email will clarify what he said. Oh, okay. Not not that anything that Rich says is you know particularly clear, but <laughs> we we do have another one. So let's go ahead and play that. All right. Uh, you know, I was thinking, uh, Trucker Rich again, uh, for for uh, Pierre, if he is looking for work now, I know I think I could get him a lucrative career in the logistics industry. And, uh, you know, um, or I'm actually heading up to Warm Sutter, Wyoming today 
and it's the largest oil field like this side of the Mississippi or something. Who knows? But anyway, I could probably get him a job up there, too, if he's looking for one. And you know what they say, big truck, uh, how's it go? Big trucks equals big bucks. Keep that in mind, Pete, 7-3. <laughs> Very good. Strangely, I have worked in the trucking industry. I used to work, I worked for years for a company called Thermoking, which is transport refrigeration. Richard will know it well, I'm sure. And uh, I lived very close to the oil patch when I was in Alberta and I'm not interested in working for them. Is there something we should know? I mean, are you looking for a job or, or you know? No, I'm very happy at the hospital. At the hospital? That's how my daughter used to say hospital when she was young. She couldn't pronounce hospital, so she would call it the hospital. The my I daddy thought, works at the hospital. I thought the hospital was Bill Cosby's family on TV. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I, all right. No, not looking for another career as far as I know, although you never know. You know, opportunities do happen, and uh, that's how I – continually change careers i think i'm going to be somewhere for a long time and then something happens and i'm like hey i'm going to try this now and that's you know my kind of ocd acts up and my adhd and i'm like yep new career time so you never know but i've i've done transport and uh never worked on the oil patch though i kind of like my fingers too much for that all right well apparently pete's going to stick around for a few more episodes we, we haven't heard from richard so he doesn't want his job back I guess. And if he does, we'll we'll do it as a threesome. I think we we always have a blast when he comes on and uh you know. Okay, timestamp we'll do it as a threesome. So <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, you keep saying that, but I never hear these. No, no, it's like I I always timestamp. I always have these great things in my head that I want to sound by and it never happens. So, well, yeah. You can consider <laughs> okay. yourself lucky. <laughs> Not going to worry this time. Again. I'm going to hold you to it, Russ. <laughs> okay, well, you'll have to remind me. All right, with that said, we have some more feedback. We ha we have a couple more bits of feedback. The first one is from, and here's a call sign that I've never heard before, and I've never heard on the air, I have to say. I don't spend a lot of time on the air, but I've never heard an SQ call be uh, before. Have, have you, either of you guys ever encountered an SQ call? No. I don't know where that it's from. Then someone want to look it up while I read this? <laughs> and we had a comment on episode number 128 from Pavel, Sierra, Quebec, 5, Lima Tango Lima, SQ5, LTL. Uh, and he says, quite briefly, thank you for the interview. Uh, he was talking about the interview with Peter, Peter Holojek, uh, OK2CQR. Uh, I use CQR logs several years. Great program. Good luck, Peter, and LHS guys. Uh, and again, that was from Pavel. It's uh, Poland. Cool. Well, that would make sense because Peter is from the Czech Republic, so they're neighbors. Uh, again, from Pavel, Sierra, Quebec, 5, Lima, Tango, Lima. And I have to say that I am amazed and gladdened to hear that we are being listened to by someone in Poland. That is very cool, I have to say. I just found out that penguins have knees. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're keeping up with the show, Pete. It's, it's good to see that you give a crap. <laughs> I do. I think it's awesome that we're being listened to in Poland. I'm sure that people in Poland who live close to the penguins will be happy to find out they have knees, too. Are there Pol are there penguins in Poland? Are there Poland's in penguin? <laughs> You've never heard of the infamous Polish penguins? No, I haven't. Oh, wait. Was, the, was that the Tushnak thing? 
Tuchniak. <laughs> yeah, the Tuchniak. Actually, there that, you was, go. that was penguins in oh, the, the Czech Republic, s- the right? The segue. The Tuchniaks have knees. Yes. Was that somehow Apparently, important? You've got an APRF station and also a YouTube channel. Ah, oh, very cool. So for, for those folks who have never heard of Pavel before, like we have not, uh, check out SQ5LTL on YouTube. And what was the other thing? Oh, it was APRS.FI. Ah, a- APRS. Yes, he has an APRS station. So you can watch him wander around Poland. Excellent. I'm so <laughs> tired. I had E. coli poisoning for the last 24 hours. I'm very tired. Yeah, I can... and you had Giardia for a lot longer than I, that. Yeah, so, yeah. Six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're. Be- so I like to call it Beaver Fever. It's a cool name. I always heard about it. I always wondered what it was, and yeah, now, now I'm you happy know that I know. But it's still a cool name. <laughs> now you know, and you wish you didn't. Yep, Fever. I just it's just a cool name. Uh, I guess so. I'd rather have a different kind of interaction with Beaver than Fever, but you know. Oh, although Bieber fever could be like, you know, could be mistaken for Justin Bieber fever, which I don't have. Yes. You could be hooked on a beaver. On the, yeah, yeah. Leave it to Bieber. <laughs> Leave it to Bieber. Bieber. Leave me. I have young kids. I have two daughters, so I ha- hear more of my share of uh, Justin Bieber and and all the other boy bands, you know, uh, whose names all escape me right now. One Direction, No Direction, All Directions. Boys to men, new kids yeah, on the block. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. We have one last bit of feedback from Chuck Chivers, Victor Echo 3, Victor Sierra Alpha. Paisan. Paisan, uh, yes, for you anyway. Yeah, uh, he's a neighboring, neighboring province from Ontario. <laughs> Ontario. He says, hello, Russ. I guess this was just to me. Oh, he says, hello, Russ, et al. So look at that. Look at him throwing the Latin et in all, there. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I'm the et al, I guess. I guess you are the et al. I am a listener of the podcast and am working through the LHS library. Currently, I am on episode 82, working my oh, way. Okay. He doesn't know I'm there yet. I understand. Yeah. Working for my way to the fir- from the first to the most recent. I have learned a lot through the podcast, but I ha- still have a lot to learn. Keep up the good work. Well, he's not going to learn a whole lot more in the next 40 episodes. I am slowly shedding Windows, but I still own an Apple MacBook, which is my main computer. Maybe my question has been answered before, but I have not found it yet. Here it is. I am relatively new to Linux, and I am running an AMD 64-bit machine with the newest version of Linux Mint Debian in my ham shack. I have downloaded FLDigi, and I found in the repository, and I am attempting to update to 3.21.82. I have downloaded the file from the FL Digi website and have tried through the command line to use the app-get install update file, but I keep getting errors. How do I update FL Digi? How do I add the repositories under LMDE to automatically look for updates for FL Digi and all the associated FL programs, FL Rig, FL Log, FL Message, etc.? Thanks, Chuck Chivers, Victor Echo 3, Victor Sierra Alpha. And uh, Pete was so very kind to send me an email saying, I don't know what the hell he's asking. You answer this. <laughs> I knew what he was asking. I just didn't know how to answer it. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to do my best to answer this question. Um, there's a couple of things going on here. It depends basically on the version of Linux Mint that you're using, which you say is the, the very latest version of Linux Mint Debian Edition, or LMDE. LMDE is based on the testing version of... Debian, which means that 
according to the documentation that I have seen, the latest version of FL Digi that's included in the testing version of Debian, which should also then be included in the latest version of LMDE, is 3.21.82, which is the one that you're trying to install. So an app-get install update, or not app-get install update, but an app-get update, and then a subsequent app-get upgrade, upgrade as opposed to update, should install the very latest version of FL Digi that is available in the repos, which is 3.21.82. So you don't actually have to go to the FL Digi site and download 3.21.82 because it is available in the testing repos. So just doing an upgrade via app-get should give you that latest version. If you are not, in fact, using the very latest version of LMDE and are, in fact, using one that's a couple of revs old, you might have one that is only current to 3.21.48, which is the FL Digi version available a couple of revs ago in Debian testing and therefore LMDE. If that is the case and you really, really are set on upgrading to the current version, 3.21.82, what you have to do is you have to download the deb package of FLDG 3.21.82 from the FLDG website, or in fact, a later version if there is one. And rather than using the app-get method of installing that package, you have to use the dpackage method. You have to go to the directory where that package was downloaded, And instead of using app-get, you have to use dpackage space dash i, which is for install, space the package name dot deb. If you go ahead and do that, it will either install or it will crash horribly burn and wreck your system, which is not actually true. It will either install or it won't. So if it installs, then great. You now have the latest version of FLDG. If it doesn't install, it likely means that you have a dependency inconsistency. And that means that some of the other packages on your system are not updated far enough to be able to run the latest version of FLDigi. The dependencies don't match, and you can't actually run the latest version. So you can either then try to do an app-get space dist-upgrade of your system to get to the latest current state of LMDE, and then try to do the dpackage-i, you know, FLDigi-whatever.deb. If that succeeds, then great. Everything has been updated. You're at the latest version, most bleeding edge possible version of everything, and all is well. Or again, you're going to get a crash and burn situation, Um, in which case there's a lot of dependency resolution and package checking and crap that you're going to have to go through to try and get your system back into some kind of normal state. Uh, The best thing I can suggest is that you either try what I've just suggested download the 3.21.82 package. You, you want to do the app-get update, app-get upgrade scenario first to see if you get to where you need to be. If not, do that first, then try downloading the dev package and doing the dpackage-i routine to get there. If that works, great. You're at where you want to be. And if that doesn't work, then your system is in, in an inconsistent state. What I would suggest you do is then show a screenshot, capture a screenshot 
or get a text capture of the error you're getting, send it to me or to us at info at lhspodcast.info. And I personally will try and get you to where you need to be. Uh, One of those three things is likely to be true. One of those three things will likely get you to where you want to be ultimately, uh, which is version 3.21.82. And I will do everything in my power to help you get to your ultimate goal. It's a simple case of what version of LMDE is he running and what version of FLDG is he trying to get to because the repositories are only so current. They, they right. may or may not have the very latest bleeding edge version of a particular software package. If there is some reason why you want to run said very latest bleeding edge version of a particular package, you may have to go through some contortions to get it to run, but it should be possible, uh, not including actually building from source. I think I gave a logical path through the conundrum, and if it doesn't work out, by all means, send a screenshot or a text capture of of any errors that are getting, and I'll be more than happy to try and help out. Thanks again, uh, everybody who sent us feedback, uh, particularly to Rich, KD0RG, to Pavel, SQ5LTL, and to Chuck, VE3VSA. Um, we really appreciate all feedback, whether text, comments on the website, or voicemail. I think we're done with the feedback. We just have the social media roundup. Pete, social media yeah. roundup. Go for it. Where's Cheryl? Cheryl is actually, <laughs> she's at a Wilton cake decorating class right now. She's learning how to decorate cakes. Very nice. I was just wondering. I just, we're at social media. I just realized she's not here. It's like, this is her gig. <laughs> yeah, it is now, but it's yours now. You're the girl, so go for it. Uh, thanks. <laughs> donations and subscriptions. So our uh, monthly donations, uh, thanks to you guys. We have uh, Jeremy Hall, Scott Pettigrew, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, Bill Arcand, Gary Utz, Bill Hyatt, Leonard Hutch Hutchinson, who is in the... Uh, text box and has been quite active tonight uh, thanks to you Hutch uh, Doug Ingram KG7KJJG and uh, Jason Burgess you could follow him on Twitter at Jason041576 that just rolls off the tongue doesn't it uh, we had uh, Hammer Lars who uh, was a follow on uh, who gave us kudos on Facebook or maybe that's Hamar I'm not sure I just like to say Hammer on uh, Google Plus, Robert Furlong, Sean Bennett, and Richard DeVos uh, gave us a little uh, wink. Uh, new followers on Twitter. Twitter has been uh, really just exploding lately. I'm just amazed at how uh, active uh, and how popular we are on Twitter. Uh, but actually, that reminds me. I should follow LHS on Twitter. I'll do that next. Um, David Chacon at D Chacon 85, that's at D C H A C O N 85. Uh, Connie Ma at N R 4 C B. Kevin Thornton at K 5 K V N. We have at Wolfhound 89, who obviously doesn't have a real name. Uh, Corey Klumper at N 0 E C K. Mike Murphy at N 4 M H O. Rigo Tech USA, and that's at Rigo. Well, I guess, that's sorry. That's Regal Tech USA at Regal Ham R I G O L Ham, and uh, this one I was particularly excited about. Uh, Randy's following us. Uh, Randy 
K7AGE, some of you may know, and that's at K7AGE. Randy Hall is um, a very famous uh, YouTube Elmer in the uh, ham radio community. So if you guys haven't uh, checked out Randy's uh, uh, videos, he's got 102 up there on uh, on uh, YouTube. Uh, check out K7AGE. He's, he's probably got like... 200 Elmering videos. It's just amazing. This guy puts out a video every month on all kinds of ham radio topics. And uh, he's, uh, if, if, if you don't have your very own Elmer, which, you know, a lot of us aren't fortunate enough to have a real live Elmer around, uh, check out Randy's videos. Uh, they're quite amazing. Uh, so at K7AGE or just uh, K7AGE uh, on YouTube. From the mailing list, um, we had uh, Larry Woodruff, W0ODI. Uh, Ken, uh, Mr. KFC, and Tim Keller, I'll pronounce it properly, thanks to Russ, WD8DRM. Uh, we had uh, YouTube, uh, hello, from Chris Anderson, um, and uh, that's it for uh, the social uh, media, unless anybody has anything to add. Um, we also had a comment in the Etherpad from Mike, uh, November 2, Hotel Tango Tango. Yes who uh, came in briefly just to see who was on the show tonight and uh, said he will not hang out and apparently did not because we didn't see him in the chat. So uh, hello to Mike and goodbye to Mike. Well, I guess that's about it. So thanks again, Doug. Uh, November 6th, Lima Mike X-Ray for being here. It was my pleasure. It was our pleasure as well, since you were so generous to donate to Linux in the Ham Shack. And I hope we do all right by you um, and that you... We'll continue to be a listener for as long as we decide to put out this crappy show about Linux and ham radio. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Good resounding positive uh, from Doug Jones and 6LMX. So with that, Pete, I'm going to let you go ahead and close this out. I think uh, we're ready to end the, this bad boy. All right. Well, let's do it. Uh, please uh, check us out on our website, uh, lhspodcast.com. Dot info where you can become an LHS ambassador. You visit the website and you can check out upcoming events and uh, find information on how, on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby Linux convention or Hamfest. Uh, email us at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us voicemail. We love voicemail. 1909 LHS show. That's 1909 547 7469. Any hate mail is read at the Harrison. Hate mail at lhspodcast.info. Subscribe to the mailing list. You'll find the link on the website. Go to Cafe Press and Print Fection to buy some of our show merchandise. Each purchase uh, helps out the show a little bit. Uh, that's www.cafepress.com slash lhspodcast or www.printfection.com slash lhspodcast. You can help out the show by clicking on some of the sponsored links on the right-hand column of the homepage. That helps us out a little bit, too. Please listen live every other Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central. That's Wednesday, 0200 Zulu. Our recording schedule and a countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners. Live, Quasar Live, uh, Quasi Live, past, present, and future. Thanks for being there. We appreciate your support, and uh, we want you to come back. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. My name's Pete. Call signs Victor Echo 2, X-Ray, Papa Lima. I'm in Montreal, and I've been your co-host tonight. And I'm damn glad to be here. So uh, over to you, Russ. All right. Well, thanks, Pete, and thanks, Doug, and 6LMX for joining us and uh, for letting us torture him for the last couple of hours. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been Linux in the Hamshack, episode number 130. My name is Russ. Kilo 5 Tango Uniform X-Ray. I'm uh, J.R. Woodman on pretty much all of the social media networks out there. You can email me at k5tux at lhspodcast.info. I'm also k5tux at 73s.org. And this has been Linux in the Ham Shack, live from between the peaks in the pine forests of north central Arkansas. And we will catch you all again in a fortnight's time. So see you then, everybody. Goodbye from everybody. Goodbye for now. Bye. my place.